This week's guest on Own Your Business is a risk taker who rose to the top by jumping off cliffs and building parachutes on the way down. Chris Jesperson is the owner of Storybox Cinema and one of Harper's Bazaar's top videographers. He also founded The Madison, a large event space in Cleveland, Ohio, which is fast becoming one of the go-to venues in the city. And he just turned 30. How did he do it all so quickly? He's the first to say that it started by saying yes to the opportunities that came his way. He didn't hesitate, he didn't doubt himself, and he didn't wait for the perfect time. He sees the moment that was in front of him, whatever that happened to be. I hope you enjoy our conversation. It's a lesson in how you too can thrive when you choose to not just survive. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Well, today I've got Chris Jesperson on the podcast. Super excited to talk with Chris. We met outside of a general session at Engage, I think five years ago in the winter of 2017. Is that right, Chris? I think, or was it Sardinia or somewhere? I don't know. We were, but yes, outside of somewhere. We were. And I remember we were kind of in that holding tank and we were just chit chatting and you had ties to the Pacific Northwest. And I think I said some things kind of off the cuff while we were having a conversation. I remember you coming up to me months later and you're like, hey, I took your advice and it worked. And and I I remember thinking, got to be careful what you tell people, even while you're waiting for the cocktail party to start. Dude, I still remember. I, I kind of forgot about that, but I remembered it because now that you brought it up, I'm like, yeah, that advice is some of the stuff I still tell people. I, I love it. I mean, it really did change my life. Oh, that's so good. So that good. Later. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, before we get going, Chris, because uh, I know we've got so much to dig into, I'd love for you just to share a little bit of your background and your connection with the wedding industry uh, so that we can know a little bit more about you and then we can we can dive into some of the juicy details. Yeah. Well, I'm Chris. I own Storybox Cinema. Um, I own a also a venue called the Madison Venue in Cleveland, Ohio. That's where I'm based. Or as I like to say, I like to sleep there sometimes. Most of my life is on the road at the moment. Um, we're kind of in the crazy season. And yeah, we get to travel around and, and just work with some incredible clients, talented vendors. It's a dream. It's really cool. That's the high level is we get to film incredible events for some really special people. That's great. And so you've, you've got this really interesting situation where you've got two businesses. You've got the film business, you know, videography, and then you've also got the venue business. And within the film business, the cinematography business, do you just have your own work that you do? Or do you have kind of a sister company that, that you're still running for, you know, not as high-end luxury clients? Yeah. So we have Storybox Cinema. And then, you know, I dabbled with some different types of other teams for maybe different price points. And then we kind of stopped doing that. And now we're bringing it back. So now Storybox is, is growing and we're actually having um, some, yeah, some really cool people joining the team and we're building out some Storybox team. So it's, we're actually starting to do that again. Yeah, that's great. Well, and, and that's what I want to hear from you. And I know we're going to get into during our conversation. You have such a, a forward thinking, visionary approach to your business. And I remember this past year, I think it was this past year. It's like, come celebrate Chris's birthday. He's turning 30. And, <laughs> and I remember thinking he's just, you know, just a wee pup. Uh, but you accomplished so much. And before we get into, you know, where you're at right now, I really want to spend some time going back to, you know, young wide-eyed Chris and, uh, you know, how, how you kind of got your start, not just in the wedding industry, but in, in the creative fields as, a, as an artist using, using a camera. Uh, you know, w- when you go back to your childhood, were there any formative memories or experiences or moments that you can recall that really led you to do the work that you do now? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, yes, and there was. And, you know, I think I think about this a lot now. And I remember being back like a kid and going to family vacations and my parents had point and shoot cameras. And it was always an argument on like who got to shoot the family photos. Like we all just wanted to have the digital camera. And that was really my first taste in kind of 
creating or like, you know, looking through the lens. I also remember doing a lot of recordings on cassette tapes and like making radio shows and playing them back for my brothers. Always had a camera in my hand. And then I think when I, you know, when I got a little older, I grew up in, in, in the church, uh, you know, religious. And we had all these, uh, we had a lot of youth group parties and things like that that were happening. So I remember um, I, I was going to film those events. And I remember my youth pastor came up and told me and said, uh, you know, film 30 seconds at a time. You have to fade it. So shoot a little bit longer than you'd think. And I really, that was the time I remember I put up the camera, this little mini DV tape onto my eyes. And I was like, I like this. Now the subjects have changed over time and what I've done with it has changed, but I just, I love looking through that lens. It was really the first time I remember just holding it up and looking through and being like, Hmm, I like this. Like I like telling this story. So. I love that you've got that memory so you know etched in your mind. And you and I, I think share this, you know, this ability to go back to a moment in time and visualize exactly what was going on, who was there, how it sounded, you know, maybe even, you know, what it smelled like, uh, you know, yep. those kinds yes. of things. Do you see that impacting your work that you currently do now, that approach to, you know, vi almost vision casting or, or being able to go back into a moment in time and pull that forward? Hmm. Maybe in a different way than, than, yeah, I would say like, it brings me back to remembering how lucky I am. Like if, if, if life gets stressful and it's like, all you know, we have edits and we got this and we have to, I'm just remembering business is hard, but I remember I get to play with cameras every day at a base level, at any level, that is super exciting for me to get to do. If it all failed and I got to just film whatever, like anything, I, I, it's, I'm super lucky. So I just, I, I think I use it as perspective to remember, this is what I wanted to do. I'm doing that thing. So just like, and I, so I come back to that moment thinking I'm super lucky. They just get to play around with this stuff and have fun. And, and tell me when you, you know, had that moment and you realized that this was a really cool thing to do, whether it was at your church or with your family or outside, yeah. did, did you start seeking more formal education about how to work with video or, or how did, what kind of resources did you tap into when you were just getting started before you made this a job? Yeah, I think, no, no formal education. I remember, so it was like middle school to high school and then into college. But um, videos was just a thing that you, I could practice. It was YouTube, a lot of YouTube. Um, you know, video is watching videos on videos. And then really, like the best education in the world is doing it and just filming over and over and over and photographing over and over. Um, and so I just did that growing up. Making I did a lot of YouTube videos. You can search me. Um, a lot of singing, random things. But, you know, it was just like, cutting my teeth with the camera and, and cutting my teeth with content and like, what do people like? So I've always been interested in that. And then I think when I, I got a job at a production company as I got a little bit older, and then that's where I really kind of took a leap and my knowledge and, and, and learned a lot, bringing me up to maybe a, more of a professional um, or yeah, a professional. Tell me more about that, that job that you had at the production company. How old were you when you were there and, and what kind of work did you do? Yeah. So I was right out of college. Um, we shot documentaries. We shot, so we worked for a tech company and then we had an in-house production company. And, um, man, that's where I really went from using, you know, DSLRs and these kind of prosumer type cameras then to actual cinema cameras. And, um, I felt like as if it was a really a, um, an internship, like I just feel lucky that I got to get, be paid for it, that it was a job, a salary job. So I feel super lucky with that. And that's where I really learned a lot. And I was a producer there. Um, and that, probably was the best. I mean, I hated that, um, but it was the best thing that I could have done because everything falls on you. So if our productions are happening, it was my job for anything and everything. And if something failed, it was my fault. So, you know, I had everything set up. I actually wasn't shooting too much when I was working there, but I got to the producer allowed me as being the producer, it allowed me to like learn everyone's jobs because I had to have an answer for everything that was going on. And so we jump when we would jump onto a production and everyone's there. I had to kind of know what was going on. So, that was like one of my favorite things. And I'm so happy I learned it. I probably wouldn't have chosen that if I like could have gone back. I would have obviously wanted to maybe be a cameraman or, or shooting more or editing. Um, but that producer role gave me so much education um, with just learning basically how to not screw stuff up. Like you just have to, it has to be done. So how long were you in that, in that job, in that position? About four years. Yeah. That's a long time for, a younger person to be in one job. 
typically you kind of go through could be three months, six months, you know, maybe a year or two years in, in a, in a company, especially as you're just kind of getting going. Um, what was it that, that kept you there? Why did you want to continue your education, your on the job education in that, that company, that position? Yeah, it was great, great culture. Uh, it was really good people. And again, it's I, you know, I was, and I was young too, so I had a salary job and I was out of college. And so that was also really nice to be like, I have, this, I have health insurance, I have everything. Um, so that kept me. And then it was a really fun place to work and like to be creative with people every single day. And that was, it was awesome. You know, it was just a good group of people. Um, and we just got to do cool stuff. They allowed us to be creative. They allowed us to try new things and like, yeah, it was perfect. Like I really, I really, really loved it. You know, one of the best indicators, and I've read research that says the best indicator of future success is whether or not you've had past success with a team. You, you've got to be, if you want to be a high performer in the future, you've got to have had an education with being on a high performing team in the past. Would you say that that team that you were on for those four years really kind of laid a foundation of what it's like to build your own businesses in the future? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I was so young, and then we had art directors, and we had designers, and we had, you know, I was at the bar, I think I was 24. And so having these, you know, adults, in my mind, working, it was so cool to watch. And yeah, it was just like, yes. So yes is the, yes is the answer. Um, and it was, I still remember those times of just, I think we all, a lot of the team reminisces about, you know, some people have moved on and done different things. But that kind of moment of those four years is so impactful. And yeah, it's something I want for sure. Was there one mentor or you know team leader that that you really gravitated towards and learned from in that four year stint? Yeah, my boss Nick. Um, he was our art director, or creative director, or whatever. He was the boss of the whole design and video team. He was incredible, and I hope he's listening. And I still keep in contact with him today. But you know, I picture him a lot like a, a dad, and that's how he kind of treated a lot of us. And so it was never. It's just like he wanted to work hard because he was giving us the opportunity to work hard and we want to do it. And he was working hard and we all, you know, he was a great leader. Like, honestly, one of the best leaders I've had in my professional life. It just really set the tone for, you know, what I expect from other people and, and, and different bosses. And, and yeah, he's one of my biggest influences for kind of like how I would love to lead a team for sure. So that would be for a leadership role. I didn't grow up wanting to be an artist or a creative type. I was always, how can we make more money uh, with yeah. whatever business is out there? You know, you've got your leadership role model. Did you have creative role models that inspired you? You know, I watch these in like movies or see it on TV shows of that kid with the camera who, you know, who's out, you know, wanting to be the next Steven Spielberg or, you know, whatever it may be. Did you have somebody like that that you look to for? the non-human side of things, but the creative side? There's some, you know, I think it was YouTube for me. I think I, I you know, be, you might be surprised, but I don't watch a lot of movies. I didn't watch a lot of movies. I'm pretty ADD. And so I didn't have some director or some visionary person that I was like, I want my stuff to look like this. I think I probably have that more now and people I respect and look up to. But at the time it was YouTube. And I think what was so exciting for me was I can create content. I can put it out there and people can watch it. And I thought that was crazy in the 2006 when YouTube came up. So it was just the fact that I could put myself out there and that was so fun. And so I think all the YouTubers were kind of my creative inspiration. Cause I was like, you guys have these followings. You have your own little TV show online. That was so cool to me. Um, but no big movie producers or anything like that. Now it's changed. Uh, but at the time, yeah, I was just interested in putting stuff out there. And I thought that was really cool how you could connect with people. Inspirational, I bet, showing how level the playing field and how easy access was to be able to put your stuff out there. Yeah, if I can click upload, and I think that was a thing for so many YouTubers, if I can click upload, there's kind of this gamble of like, it's out in the world and like, who knows what could happen? Like, it, all it is was the fact that I, if I could put myself out there and I realized a lot of people were nervous to do that. And so really the only barrier was if I could choose to not be nervous about putting myself out there. Now, that's never really been an issue for Chris, for me. I'm thinking about you on the dance floor every time I see you at a, at a party and I'm thinking, no, Chris doesn't really have any nerves when it comes to being in front of other people and, and letting them uh, see, see him and, and be vulnerable. Yeah. So let's go back to, you, you know, you're at the production company or, you know, you have just left whatever happened at that point at some time made a decision. I'm going to do this on my own. 
why did you start that business? Why did you not want to work for the production company anymore, but you wanted to do something for yourself? Yeah. So the catalyst that started it was I was, we were moving from Bellingham, Washington to Ohio. So my wife got a full ride for a PhD. And so that's why we jumped ship and went out to Cleveland. And so then I was looking for new jobs. And so I was applying and I had some interviews and I thought I was kind of like the hottest poop in town. You know, I was like 27 or something and applying to jobs in Ohio. And I kind of thought I was really cool coming from Seattle. And a couple of things just didn't pan out. I got a couple offers. I didn't like them. I didn't want them. Uh, I thought I was really, really fancy. And that so the, the way it happened was in, I went for an interview on Friday. They offered me the job on Friday. By Monday, I'd turned it down. And Tuesday, I decided... Maybe I'll start my own business. So I went to the bank, tried to get a loan. By Wednesday, I had lunch with my future business partner now and told him what I was doing. Hey, I'm getting this loan. I had no clue. I had not a clue what I was doing. I was not going to be able to get that loan, by the way. But I was applying and, and trying to figure it out. By on Thursday, I had a bunch of other people, like uh, my father-in-law, my father, and other friends were like, why don't you do your own thing? And, that, so, and then Friday, we basically had a deal um, locked in with me and my now current business partner, to start a production company. So it happened in a week, kind of cinematically. Yeah. So it was just like, I had a lot of good people in my life basically telling me that I think you could do this. And I never really thought about it. I never had seen, I, I wasn't trying to go into this and be a business owner whatsoever. But I was like, that sounds fun. Let's do that. And that's that's been a big driver, a big motto, if you will, with your whole career is like, that sounds fun. Let's try it and see what happens. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at now. And I think that is the freedom and, 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 the, and, the, and the fun that comes with business is, it, you know, anyone can run their business however they want. You got to find your strengths and weaknesses. I think my strength is kind of activating and doing things. And I get to do that professionally. I get to try new things professionally. It is awesome. Like, seriously, it's so much fun. Yeah, that's the best part. So let's go back to that, that you know, tumultuous week where so much happened. Uh, what, give us a time frame. What year was that? 2016. 2016. So six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. There you are, uh, you know, just moved across the country, decided to take on a business partner and fulfill some sort of dream that led down who knows what road. What were some of the things that you ran into that were challenges? You know, when you jump off a cliff and build the parachute on the mm -hmm. way down, not everything goes according to plan. And, you know, you, you scrape the side uh, every once in a while. I, I may or may not be speaking from personal experience, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I want to know what were some of the things that didn't go well when you first started out back in 2016, 2017, what were some struggles that you ran into? I think the struggles back then are continue to be the same struggles now, but it is probably being spread too thin. I have a tendency to want to take on a lot, but it's, it's really fun to activate and do things and, and try new things. And I did that. I did a lot of that. And, and so staying focused can be a difficult thing for me. And, and still is, but something I'm getting better at. But yeah, that, you know, that it just was difficult to, you know, it's a rush to do all this stuff. So mine is kind of on this upper side of like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. Let's do more. Let's do this thing. And really not having the self-awareness to maybe know I shouldn't <laughs> do that. Or I, let's not take that on. Now I'm much better at that. And I kind of talk about them being books on a shelf that I now I can pick out if I want to try a new project or do so. I have all these ideas in my head that I set aside. I used to maybe not set those aside and be like, I have to do those now. Um, you know, so that leads to just being burnt out and, and, and spread too thin and not being able to do the thing that you need to do well. Yeah, that's a, those are hard lessons to learn in life and business. You know, Katie and I have that same kind of dynamic right now. I'm the dreamer like you. I'm like, let's try something out and, yeah. and let's see what happens. And she, she always tells me to, why don't you go ahead and just write that idea down in your little idea book and you can, you can put it in the drawer. And, and when you're done finishing the 943 things that you're currently working on, you can pull that out and you can start going through your new ideas. She calls me the kite and uh, uh, she's the string in our relationship. I've heard it. Yeah. I've heard it talked about as um, expanders and containers. Talk to me a little bit about how you've been able to balance your business uh, either early on or throughout the years with your business partner, because I know that he's been that grounding influence for you. Yes and no. Um, so he's, he's a silent investor, so he's not part of the day-to-day -day for me. And so he... You know, and he knows this. He may have pushed me to dream too. So he's a dreamer as well. And so it was kind of like two people who were dreaming together and maybe one who didn't know a lot about business was doing a lot of the dreaming and doing. So 
I think there's been other aspects now and other people I've brought into the team. And now it's knowing what I need to succeed. But, you know, I've had different assistants and, 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 and people on our team that helped me. What was the learning process like when you were, you know, getting things going and you were recognizing that you had to wear 19 different hats as a business owner? And you had probably worn not as many of them as you needed to at that time, because that's how every new entrepreneur starts off. What were some of the things that you found that you loved about your day to day or week to week? And what were some of the things that you couldn't wait to get on somebody else's job description and outsource? Yeah. Obviously, yeah, there is a lot of hats, but I think even cutting back to the being a producer, that was why that worked so well for me is because I had to know everyone's job. So kind of coming into it, I felt actually a little bit prepared. I mean, like, I think I have a good understanding. My father is an entrepreneur and a lot of people in my life. are. So I felt like I had a good understanding, but I'm not a detail oriented person. And there's a lot of details in business with money and taxes and everything. There's just a lot of, you can't always dream. You have to actually follow through. And so scheduling emails, everything that you kind of need to like run the engine. I was not good at, you know, the way that I typically expand with things is I run into them until I can't do it anymore or it's gotten terrible. And at that point is when then you bring, I bring on someone else or I delegate that job. So, you know, it's not that I necessarily hated all of it. It becomes a thing where I don't have time for it anymore. Like I'm now, I'm just looking at the ROI of my time. And so it's like, I should not be doing all these tiny little things because I suck at them and it's taking five times as long for me to do them. I think I'm quicker now to do that is to delegate. Um, but it maybe took me a while and realize that I don't like really what is a business. My job is to keep growing this thing unless I just want to be a solopreneur, which is great. And that's wonderful and a great lifestyle for a lot of people. But if I want to grow a business that is not just me trading my time for money, I think it was a slow learning process on how to delegate. You know, I think you probably learned that lesson way earlier in your career than most people, Chris. You said something just then about trading time for money that I feel like a lot of wedding professionals and just any kind of entrepreneur, it takes a little bit more time than you know a year or two, like it sounds like it took you. We try and grow our businesses oftentimes by getting better clients, but we're still functionally trading time for money just at a higher price point. Yeah. You know, One of the mindset shifts that needs to occur to go from solopreneur to entrepreneur to really be a small business owner and why I did do this podcast, why I call it Own Your Business is that you have to look at yourself as the owner of your company, not as the principal producer for it. So if you're a videographer, you don't want to be the videographer for your company. You To really elevate your business and achieve more success, you're going to need to own a videography business. Or if you're a photographer, you must own the photography business planner, own a planning company, things like that. What was your first step? Who was your first hire to help free up the time for you not to just be... Uh, in, involved in everything, but instead focus on the things that were going to be best for the business to grow. I've kind of two people, like my, really my first one was uh, a CPA. So that was the biggest one was I'm not doing my taxes. I'm not doing that because I'm going to mess that up big time. Man, I still hear people who are like five years into business that are doing their taxes and who should not be. They really, they don't need to be. That was the very first one. And then pretty quickly after that, I hired a, uh, an assistant. Mary, who's still with me today, she's been with me the whole way. And that was life changing. And it was a lot of learning, but she's a virtual assistant and has worked with me for the past five years and has grown everything. with me. So that was the biggest one. And that was a practice in, I'm actually talking about this and coming up because I think for a lot of people, I think it's such a great, it's such a great way to learn how to delegate because if you have a virtual assistant or someone who's assisting you in any way, and I had her for full time, I just it took the jump and said full time. I didn't have everything for her to do at the beginning. And it actually took me a year to get really, really good at delegating. But knowing that she was there and knowing that I was paying her full time lit a fire under my butt to keep passing things off. And be like, okay, this person is just sitting and wait, what else? So it started to make my mind think about what else can be taught? What else can be off of my plate? Is what other systems, you know, she can't do this because, well, it's me and you have to email. No, we actually can. So how do we respond to clients and how fast? So creating systems. So having her really started to change my mindset and to think about what systems can we put in place and what else can be trainable, what else can be taught and what else can someone else do? 
I love that you picked her up full time. I hear a lot of uh, people in the wedding industry advertise or, you know, put out on social media or, or I'll, I'll just talk with wedding pros at, you know, networking events or conferences. And they'll talk about hiring a new employee or picking up a VA and they're looking for, you know, five hours a week. And I think how hard it is for a business owner who doesn't have a lot of management experience to learn how to manage somebody or to set up the systems that need to be set up to operate what it is that they're being asked to do if you're only working 12% full-time equivalent. And it seems like one of the things that you did was you got in a lot of reps early on and that helped you learn faster and accelerate the growth that you saw with your business. Yeah, I joke that I'm like a cat up in a tree a lot of times. Like, I'm just like, how did I get here? I don't know. It's like, you know, but I do kind of go 100% on things. And I could, I knew that if I hired her full time, that I'd kind of have to be responsible then for it. And it's because it would be a really bad use of money if she's just not working. And so I knew I kind of had to fake myself into it and like kick myself in. But yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It feels like something that is kind of consistent with what I've done is, is reps with a lot of different things. I'm just like doing it right now. Like why wait? Like, let's just do this right now. Cause I'm, and now I'm kind of addicted to that in a good way. It's like, why do we, why are we limiting ourselves? Like, let's just do it. And see, there's that activator part of me. Like I still love doing that, but I just seen it really benefit me in the long run is doing these things that people, okay. If anyone's ever scared of things, it makes me want to try them because I'm like, okay, great. You aren't doing them. So I would love to try that. So uh, yeah, a lot of friends are like, you can't hire someone full time. I'm like, awesome. I'm going to, but it does. It, it really changed my mindset. When you first started out, did you take the same approach to the kinds of events that you were filming as you did with, I'm going to get as many reps in as I can. Mm -hmm. I would do everything and anything, anything, anything. You just said yes to it all. Yes. Yeah. I didn't want to do weddings. My production company was not a wedding. I actually did not want to do weddings. We had talked about it and I was like, absolutely not. It's not that I hated events, but I just wanted to be a, a producer. I, you know, we wanted to make films. Well, I didn't really want to make films. I just thought I did. And so I talk about it like this, that there's two different types of kind of success that I see, which is like these, uh, maybe a Michael Jordan or these big names who set out, wanted to do this thing that they wanted to do and did that thing. You're like, again, that's pretty inspirational. I look at mine as like, I'm going to go the easiest route. I'm going to follow the stream where it takes me. So that stream took me to the wedding industry and who am I to say no to it? I get to play with cameras and, you know, so my, I think that's, I just follow that. I don't have this hard and fast. This is where we're going. I mean, now I have more of a vision, but at the time with the business, it's like, I can make money with cameras. Let's just do it all and see what I like, you know, and then I ended up falling into this. And I think that was like the best way because I got to experience a lot. How long did it take you to recognize that the production company was going to go into the wedding space? Mm, about a year and a half for me. And I didn't want to, and it was fighting the whole time. Yeah, I guess my timelines are, are kind of short. It feels like these long times, uh, but I'm realizing they're a little sh short. But, you know, it was pretty quick because I was doing so much. All of a sudden, I was doing some events. I did my friend's wedding and they were beautiful. And, and, and then we got another inquiry, like everyone. Um, and I was like, well, I don't really like doing this. I didn't, you know, I don't want to do this. So it, it took a lot of actually self-reflection to say, why do I not want to be in the event industry? Um, I didn't think it was cool. I didn't think it was respected by maybe cinematographers. And I feel like I kind of had this coming out of being accepting of myself in this way. I mean, like, I actually like this stuff. Um, I don't know why I'm like hiding that I enjoy people that, I, you know, if I really look at it, I never wanted to shoot movies. I just said that because I thought that's what you do. I love documentary. I love journalism. That's what I studied in school. And these weddings became this little perfect event where we have the storyline of the wedding. And then we have this freedom to like play. And I was like, this is awesome. So it took about a year and a half. And then I was like, we're really going to do the event industry. And now I have a venue and I would have never thought I had a venue or anything. <laughs> You're like, what the heck? But again, it just kind of letting it happen and saying, okay, th there's a lot of need here and we're getting a lot of um, kind of support in this direction. Like why fight that? It sounds like you didn't go into it with a clear idea of exactly what it is that you wanted to do because you didn't know enough about it and you were just open yeah. to paying attention to what was there. And this opportunity popped up and you were like, I'm going to seize it and, and run with it yeah. as fast as I can. Yeah, I do try to have like a direction, but always keeping an open hand and still today because that's like the best part of all this for me. It's like, it's life. It's cool. It's like beautiful. And 
you know, to just be present enough and to be aware enough to let those opportunities come to you. Do you feel like your business has been a catapult to experiencing life in the way that you wanted to? Yeah, more than I wanted to. I mean, it's crazy. I had not a clue. And um, I'm sure a lot of business owners feel like this, and this is something that I'm trying to think through. And But my business is my life. Um, I've, I've wrapped my life into it. And some people may not like that, or some people may think that's not cool and we should work-life balance. Uh, it really is a lot of heavy part of my life. And but that's why it works for me is I really enjoy the people. Like I enjoy you, Sam. I enjoy the people I'm, who I'm working. I'm in Miami right now working with a bunch of crazy talented photographers and, and, and designer. Those people are my friends and it's not a fake thing. It's, it's, they really are my people. And so, and then we travel and get to do all these really fun experiences and it, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and so it is kind of like my life and business together, but I think that's how you keep going. At least that's my idea. It might change later. Again, open hand. <laughs> I'm the same way, you know, from, you know, 15 years ago when phones and email started blending into not being at the office, you know, there was really no way to compartmentalize, at least in, in my, you know, my, my life. And I've never really seen a work-life balance as a, you know, sectioned off, cordoned off where I have work stuff and I have life stuff. I just make sure that I'm getting enough of both in the average week or month or year or whatever it may be. You know, we just got back from Ireland attending Engage and we had uh, nine days where we were in Ireland, you know, touring around vacation. But we also blocked off two of those nine days just to do work while we were there. And then we went to Engage and did work for that. And then I went and golfing and then, you know, we worked on the next day. So, you know, I think it's it's less about clear delineation of here's work, here's play. And instead, how can I fulfill all the areas of my life, both work and play, with a, a balance between them? Knowing that you are out and about traveling, you have a venue, you have you know your your film company. What kind of impact has that had on you know areas outside of work? Obviously, you know you've got to go back to Cleveland, and you know you mentioned your wife. You know you've got friends in the industry, have you been able to nurture and grow still the things that you wanted to do outside of your company as much as, you know, may, maybe you want to? I'll be totally honest. No, um, that's something I'm working on now and maybe late in some areas to that. And I'd, I'd say that's probably one of the things if there was a regret or anything like that, it could be some, something tied to that. I'm still figuring that out right now and how you find that balance and, and kind of, you know, I feel like I'm coming into that now is learning what, what does Chris need? What do I need to be successful? And, and there is life outside of just business. And um, I think that I was pretty focused for so long. And so it hasn't always been easy for me to do that. You know, when you're so committed to something and so focused on it, it does become a little isolating. So like, this is just the real answer. It can become a little isolating. And yeah, it's hard to keep up friendships sometimes. Now that do I care about my friends? A hundred percent, more than a hundred percent. I love these people, but have I been there for them all the time? Uh, no, not as much as I'd like. And so that's something I'm definitely am, am focusing on more now and, and realizing that there is this balance. So as much as I do love my business and how it is part of everything, and these are my friends, I think now just getting a little bit older from 20 to 30, it's realizing, okay, there is other aspects of life and how can I be paying attention to those more than I have been? So yeah, that's the real answer is no, I'm not always that good at it. Neither am I. Uh, you know, over the course of my career, it's it's always been a struggle to try and figure out, yeah. you know, what the real goal is, and where do I put the energy and time, which is the most precious resource that we all have. And yeah. I think that's one of the biggest struggles that that we that we face as business owners. You know, I know personally from going through different iterations of my own career that my definition of success has changed over time. You know, it used to be I wanted to see how fast I could grow, how much we could achieve, uh, how much recognition could the company that I worked for or my own clients get for themselves. And I remember a few years ago, I had this epiphany that really pivoted from achievement goals to, as said, freedom and independence goals. And I wanted to not work as much as possible. That was the new goal. That was the definition of winning, right? spending time with my kids and, and developing more hobbies and exploring the island that I lived on, those became the new goals. How, how has your definition of success changed from, say, the early years when you're trying to get everything going to where you're at now or, or, or recently kind of post-pandemic? How, how have things changed for you? 
So I'd agree with your story. The same kind of same with mine. I think when I started, they said, I want to be this. I want to be on these lists. I want to be the top here. I want to be known for this. And that kind of happened. And then it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it does and it's exciting and it's incredible, but I was like, that's not a real goal. I mean, it is, but awesome. Great. And what? And so now, you know, the things that give me a lot of joy with my business and, and what we're actively doing right now. So for me, success looks like building an incredible team, being an incredible place to work for people, making sure they have creative, all those things that I had, I really want to give back to people and to work alongside my own team. So I get to work alongside a lot of other people, but my team, I really, really love those people. Um, and so giving them a place, making sure their family um, is taken care of. That's the goal for me now is to get just a, to give that what I had for someone else um, and then do work with the clients that we want and the people that connect with us. And that has now been much more my focus is, is the people who are our clients, not the biggest pain, not the whatever this. It doesn't matter to me. It's who do we want to work with and who are those people? And so, man, if I get to have that with people that I love around me um, and they're fulfilled and they have a place and they get to experience like that is that's really where I'm looking forward to in the future. And it's actively happening, but that's, what I see my success as being. And then for me, having balance and um, not working as much would definitely be. Have you seen a shift in what your outlook is on your business? You know, Do you have a renewed sense of energy about what it is that you're doing now that you've shifted the goalposts on the direction and, and what winning looks like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have this kind of effort attitude that I've had this past year, not in a sense of screw my work and anything about that. But like, I just want to do this with the right people. Like, again, I'm kind of saying, screw my old benchmarks and here are my new ones. And in that, it has become very exciting and really fulfilling to be like, this can happen and this is okay. And I think a lot of us are achievers. And so now it's just knowing what do I want to achieve? And that's been really exciting and really fun. And you know what? Now more people want to be a part of what we're doing because we have a clear focus on what we're doing and, and who we are and, and what Storybox is and what the Madison is. Oh my gosh, I'm kind of rambling, but it's just been so fun. And yes, it has given me a new renewed sense of energy for this because it's tiring. We all have ebbs and flows in, in business. It's a long game, but this has been like really, really exciting. It's interesting. It's almost like you've come full circle back to the role that Nick at the production company had where you got to experience as a younger producer, somebody who was learning the trade and learning what it means to be a professional from somebody who was creating that culture, that culture of uh, learning, that culture of excellence, that culture of camaraderie and collaboration. And now it feels like, you know, however many years, 10 years later, you're now creating that for your own team as the, the leader for them. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really, I didn't. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, yeah, that means a lot. I didn't even know I was going to be emotional from that, but um, I've never heard that. And it's cool. Like, I just want to give that back to people, you know? I remember when <laughs> when I was, oh, this eight years ago, nine years ago, I was working with my own coach, uh, Laura Moriarty, who transformed my life. And she told me, there are two ways to light the room. This is from an Edith Wharton quote. You can be the candle that burns or the mirror that reflects it. And I think that when we're younger and less wise to the world, we want to burn as bright as possible. And that's what we think that success looks like. At some point, we reach transcendence in our, our career where we are already masters of the core competencies that we need to at that particular craft. And it's now time for us to transcend doing and instead start teaching and helping and guiding and supporting and directing others. Uh, I know that's what I've done with my business. You know, when I started ID Action in 2016, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to help more than one boss at a time. I wanted to have multiple bosses that I could help see succeed with their businesses. Uh, there's only so much that you as a cinematographer can do with one camera in your hand, but you can find ways to impact creatives and their clients with a company that has a team of those people. And it seems like you're really widening and broadening your sphere of impact and influence in the creative field, in the wedding industry with what you're doing. And I would imagine that's pretty rewarding. Thank you. And I love that quote. It's funny. We use, I actually use that as, I don't want to say a sales technique, but it's kind of about story box. I say, our job is to reflect back what's already happening in the room. It's not that 
we're creating something. We want you to see what's, I want you to see the beauty that is already there. And that's our job is to show you that it's already happening. It's not because of us. So that's just, that's cool. And yeah, it's, you know, I'm only one person, you're only one person. And there, I think it's so fun to see people's different personalities and their strengths and then in pushing them to do the best work that they can. And it is super rewarding. So as you go through and you think about the, the transition that you've made from doing to leading, uh, over however many years at what, you know, what, what level of success, what are some of the barriers that you ran into as you made that jump? Because my boss, Brent at the resort, he used to always say the same thing. Management is different kind of work. And it, it, it you know, is often that the best server makes the worst service manager. The best bartender makes a bad bartender manager. You know, it's a different skill set. What were some of the obstacles that, that, or, or that you're currently running into right now that you are spending time pushing through? Yeah, I think in the beginning was, and still is, it's changed. I'm, I'm getting older, but I didn't say the point. The point is, is that I was young. And so I didn't know if I had a belief in myself that I could lead. I didn't think I could lead. I didn't think people would want to lead. And that is a very limiting belief that impacts a lot of people. I wasn't the best boss because I didn't think I could be. Once that switched, as I've gotten older and I kind of feel like I'm growing into myself, that has not been as a big of a deal. You know, I think now is, is the emotional toll. And this isn't a bad thing. It's, it's part of our job. It's part of my job. But, you know, we, you're there for everybody. You're the boss. And so... Getting, making sure people are okay. There's a, it's a lot of therapy. It's a lot of listening. It's a lot of being a boss and, and hearing what we have to do, but it's, it's a lot of listening. And I love that. I really do. But if we're talking about challenges, it can be challenging when stuff is happening in your own life and, or things are blowing up on this business. Um, and I'm not, you know, not anything that I can think of, but if something's happening over here and then you got to be here and, and you kind of... Don't talk to me about that. Let's think of a solution. So being able to do multiple things at once that are bigger and harder is always going to be challenging. And I would assume that they're only going to get more intense and, and harder challenges and at more complex times, timeframes. But I just say that would be the challenge, but it's also the job. Yeah. Well, when you get to that stage, here's, here's my advice. Hire a number two who handles all that stuff for you. <laughs> Sam, we just did that. I just hired an <laughs> operations director for Storybox three weeks ago. And what a relief. Wonderful. Yeah. And it's good people and they understand and it's incredible. And that's great, Chris. I love that you found that. I think that's another thing that a lot of business owners struggle with. They find that they want to hire more people like themselves to replace the work that they're doing. And really it's about hiring the opposite of what it is that you can do. Hire somebody that does the things that you hate to do. Hire somebody to do the things that you suck at doing. And that way you can have that sigh of relief, you know, yeah. the finisher to your starter, uh, the details to your big picture, and, uh, the, you know, the system creation and management to your vision where you're always looking ahead. Uh, I, I just want to highlight that because I know that people who are listening to this are always wondering, how do you recreate or duplicate excellence at the highest levels, well, you can't be the only one who, who are doing things. And to, you have to have somebody in there that's, that's making sure that things are done well. And oftentimes, as the owner of the business, a true CEO, we have to dole that out to a COO. And that's really that next step to freeing up yourself to look into the future. I can't wait to see what, say what you see. Yeah. And I'd say that that's where that renewed energy is coming from is being like, oh, like I, I just want to do the stuff that I'm good at and now hiring people to allow me. And we can't do another Chris. We can't make another Chris, but there's so many other incredible people. Oh, it's, it's it, yeah. See, I'm excited. Like it's really fun. And that is where a lot of the energies come from is being, is just knowing that other people can be a part of this. Um, and it can make my work way better. Like already in four weeks or whatever it's been, the work is getting better. Um, it's really exciting. Yeah. You know, sometimes we have a hard time letting go because we worry about what it's going to do to impact the team or the clients or, you know, our vendor partners. And what we realize is they've pretty much just been secretly hoping from the outside <laughs> that you, that you bring yeah. somebody in to do all of this. They just didn't have the courage or the gumption to tell you that you needed help. And now that they, now that it's here, they're very grateful. <laughs> 
Can we let everyone know this is like Jimmy Fallon or something? Like, I have a big announcement, everybody. We have an operations director. Woo! All right. <laughs> everyone can take a sigh of relief with me. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. So what, what do you love most about your work now? Like day in, day out. And you got this operations manager. You know, we're out of the pandemic for the most part. You know, clean slate in 2023 ahead. You know, blue skies. What, what, are, you, mm-hmm. what are you loving most about, about the future or the, or the day-to-day that you're doing to, to get there? Yeah, I love building the team. It is like in the past week, what we've done or the past month, sorry, what we've done is getting to build that and and interview people. And, you know, I love encouraging our team where maybe they don't think they can do something. I'm like, let's do it. You can do it. Like, let's figure out how we can do this. Um, We absolutely can. And so, okay, Sam, other people bring other ideas. Like my ideas are not the end all. Like there are so many incredible, I've said incredible 50 million times, but there really is a lot of different perspectives out there. And so being open to those and, and building those up and encouraging them, that is like very, very fun for me um, because there's a lot of smart people that work for me. I don't understand. And so it's very fun to get to be a part of that. And for me, selfishly, I love being a part of all the different parts. So I can kind of jump in and hear what's going on at the Madison. I can hear about our new events. I get to call up and see how those events went. I get to hear how our team is doing for Storybox, the events that they run. And, and, and pushing people up as high as I can for them. Like that has been a blast. And it really, you can tell it has given me this new energy. So that's, that's day in, day out. The people I get to work with is like really the most fun. It sounds like you're really moving away from truly being a videographer to really being an entrepreneur, a business owner. And that's, yeah. that's given you that, that new energy, that, that new, uh, you know, excitement for the everyday. It's the cure yeah. for burnout, right? Shifting your goals. 100%. Yeah. And I Often feel like I'm burnt out. I got burnt out every year. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there, but I get burnt out every year and this, you know, it just keeps getting worse and worse. And that same as I was talking before, when I hit that, I can't do this anymore. Then we have to bring someone on. I would like to be able to do that before. Maybe I hit those, those roofs or those ceilings now, but um, it is the cure for burnout because people can take that burden with you. And maybe they like that burden. Maybe they're good at that burden. Maybe they're brilliant at that burden. Um, and then they also push me and, and grow me and push, give me ideas and say, you know, you can do it. And you, this is what I know you can pull this off. And it's like, okay, cool. It is. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to work with people you love. So you mentioned a few minutes ago that you kind of checked the box on being on the who's who's list, uh, for the, you know, cinematography space in the wedding industry. When you look to the future, what does success look like to you now that you've reached what many would call the pinnacle, you know, you, you're working with some of the best planners in the world uh, at some of the biggest events in the world with the biggest budgets. You have the most creative license you could possibly ask for. You're on the Harper's list and everybody looks to you as one of the icons in the industry. You know, 10 years down the line, they'll look up and go, I remember Chris Jesperson. He inspired me. You've got all those things going for you. So what does success look like for you as a professional in the next 10 years? Um, I really do think it is growing. And first off, thank you. I was very too kind. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's, what are the goals of the people around me? Okay. So well, for Storybox, we want to produce the best films. Um, we are celebration advocates. So it's finding our people and we're, and we're finding those and we're finding the clients that want us and we want the clients and they're real deep friendships that happen with them. That is really fulfilling for me professionally. And the fact that we get to get paid for that blows my mind. Um, and so we have financial goals, sure, and, and what we and how many teams we want to have. But professionally, for me, is finding what are those. I'm not always going to have those new new ideas and 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 um, the freshest thing that's happening. And so building up the people around me is really my goal. Um, and what what ideas do they have? What dreams do they have that they don't think or maybe don't see that they can do? I want to make sure that they can hit those dreams. Um, so it's sharing that. And so yes. So Storybox, we want, we're, we're looking to have about four teams in the next three years. Um, and, and Chris's team, I'm talking to third person, but my team is still going to be there. I'm still filming. Um, but really, what do these people want to do? Uh, what dreams do they want to hit creatively? And if I can help them do that, and, and I'm getting paid for, to do this, I mean, it's insane. So that really is what I'm looking forward to. And that's success for me. When you look back on your career... Any regrets? Any wish you could do over moments? Uh, no. Yes and no. It's a two answer. One is, you know, I do. I, I wish that I, I could have been more present at, at times in my in my own life. 
And I wish I wouldn't have spread myself so thin at some points. But it's gotten me here today, and it is the story that happened. And so, um, not that it's so big, some traumatic thing, but those are the things I think about. I wish I could have maybe not been so business focused at some points. But, you know, to start something up, you got to be pretty damn focused. So, and, you know, I'm learning those lessons now and I'm and, and, and implementing changes. Uh, so, I guess something, maybe it's regrettable things that happened because of what I was doing, but I don't think there's any regrets of I did this thing and I wish I would have never done that. I love, tra- I've, I've had companies totally fail and flop. Um, and those are not a regret at all. It's so much learning. And I think that's our job is to learn. And so I, I don't see any of it really as regrettable. Just ways that you learn to do it differently in the future. Absolutely. I joke that my job is to be, is to mess up. Like that my job is to push the limit and fail and then say, okay, next thing. So, but yeah, sometimes it's hard. <laughs> I wish in the beginning, I just wouldn't have done so much and, and maybe been a bit more focused. Mm. All right. Last question for people who are listening to this, what advice would you give them that you wish that you received early on in your career? This isn't going to be a little bit of repeatable, but I wouldn't spread yourself so thin. Honestly, Um, it doesn't need to be an overnight thing. It takes a long time. And there's a quote that I just heard that I wish I would have heard, which was writing a business, a successful business is doing the boring things over and over again. Um, And I think for a lot of us, it's probably, there's a lot of shiny stars and a lot of glitz and glamour and all this fun stuff. And when we get drawn to that and it is fun, that is part of it, but a sustainable and a successful long-term business is doing the boring stuff over and over and doing it right. And that's the hard part is that it's boring, but that's the stuff I kind of wish I would have done in the beginning. And then one piece of advice that I did hear that I want to make sure everyone knows is to uh, triple down on your strengths, wherever your strength lies, do more of that. Do more of that thing that you're good at. Be in the room, be wherever you are, whatever that is. You don't need to be me. You don't need to be any other person than who you are because that is the only way, again, that it's going to be a long-term thing. You got to find where your strengths are and you have to just triple down on yourself in those areas. And that's what's going to pull you through because then you're not going to get as tired of doing those things and you're going to love what you do. But really believe in yourself and find those aspects that you're hearing and you got to be self-aware to kind of hear the feedback you're getting from different people. You know, so you may not always know the thing that you're great at, but it's being self-aware enough and listening, always be listening and then do that thing a lot because that's the thing you're going to be known for. Chris, thank you so much. If people wanted to follow along with your journey to build your team and to work with amazing collaborators, what's the best way for them to stay tuned over the next several months and years? Yeah. Instagram, Storybox Cinema, and then Instagram, the Madison venue. So my two little projects that I love, man, it's been a pleasure. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 